Hi folks, Bob Main here with another episode of the Handgun World Podcast. This is episode 602, continuing my series called What Do You Carry and Why? And Dr. John Adine is my guest on this episode. A lot of really good information. Remember, this is all brought to you by Keeper's Concealment, the appendix carry authorities, keepersconcealment.com. Handgun World gives you a 10% discount. Let's get right into my interview with Dr. John Adine. So I'm ca- carrying on with my series, What Do You Carry and Why? I promised you that would be the subject matter. So I got a guest, Dr. John Adine, been on the show many times. He's back to talk about that subject, but we have another really cool subject. Uh, before we get into it, remember this show is sponsored by Concealment Solutions and by Keeper's Concealment. Now, for those of you watching on video, because the first 15 minutes of this is going to be on video, this is an example of Keeper's holster, and I know that John's going to talk about that. This is the Appendix Carry holster by Keeper's. This is for my Glock 19. And another good example of another one of my sponsors, Concealment Solutions. And this is a good example right here of their Cobra outside the waistband. I'll talk a little bit more about both of those at the conclusion. So, John Adine, welcome back to the show. Hey, it's great to be with you uh, finally again. It's been a little while. It's been a while. Uh, I think you've been on this show now six or seven times. Uh, I always get real good feedback. You and Ben Branham have been on this show a couple of times. And uh, one of the coolest memories I have is about a month after all the COVID lockdown nonsense that we were all subject to, you and I and Ben got on a Skype call and it was just kind of good to see each other again because i think even by that time we were starting to get cabin fever oh yeah absolutely <laughs> a lot of cabin fever well and some uh, of us were still going to work and seeing patients and interacting with people despite you know the the risk and all that kind of stuff gee, the nurses who would that be i wonder yeah but be. i mean the nurses you know they're they deserve all the credit in the world they did yeoman's work during all that craziness and uh, fortunately, you know, over time, that virus has evolved into something a little bit more contagious, but much less virulent. Um, the, uh, the, the ones that we have now are probably a little bit worse than a head cold in most people. Some of them are still, you now. some people are still dying, people who have high risk. But for the most part, it's more of a head cold than anything else. And a lot of places have uh, relaxed the uh, the mask mandates and all that nonsense. Unfortunately, the hospitals are still doing the mask thing, even though the studies have not proven that the, the, you know, the paper masks and the cloth masks do a- absolutely anything to stop viral transmission. Well, so it's just, know, a, it's a dog and pony show. It's interesting. Some doctor's offices are not mandating masks and some are. I took my wife to a doctor's appointment in his office. He did not require a mask. I went, I had an MRI done on my hip today, and at the imaging center, they required a mask. So, who knows? Whatever. Whatever, you know. They did let me take my mask off during the uh, MRI. That was nice of them. Yeah, it's Um, nice to be able to breathe when you're laying in the tube, you know? Actually, you know, they gave me an open MRI, so no tube. I hate those darn things. But anyway. That's good. That's even better. Yeah, yeah. That's not what we're here to talk about. So, um, anyway... You recently went up to Michigan, right? Right. It was, uh, you know, just outside of Detroit, a place called Taylor, Michigan. Detroit. Oh, sorry. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, oh. No offense to no offense to my Detroit area listeners. 
Uh, so you went up there outside of Detroit, and what were you doing up there? Well, uh, Rick Ector, who is a firearms instructor there, uh, has put together a women's shooting training event that's completely free. Uh, it, it's over two days and in two separate ranges. And this is the 11th one. And the reason he started it was that he watched the news one day and there was a woman who had been raped and murdered and left in an alley, essentially, just her body dumped. And he took a look at that and he said to himself, I got to do something. And, you know, Rick's a, a like an NRA, um, not only a firearms instructor, but he's a training counselor. Yeah. So he trains trainers. And uh, so the, the first year he got some, some folks together and got some guns and got some ammo and, and it was in one range and he got 40 women to come. Um, and, and that was pretty good. You know, 40 women, it was, I think it was over like mother's day weekend or something. Um, and so he got them to come out and then each year subsequent to that, the numbers have grown and grown and grown. Uh, last year I did it. Um, you know, even despite the COVID stuff, we still had, I think, I don't know whether it was 1,600 or 1,800. I, I, there was a lot of, and this year we did 1,200, I think. Nice. Uh, and so, and, and so he's gotten, you know, all of his friends from around the, the country uh, to come and be range safety officers and to be one-on-one -on -one instructors. And, and, and the way it works is they have a sign-up thing on the, uh, you know, online, and then they bring groups of women in, you know, at once an hour. They have a range safety brief, kind of, tell them what to expect and all that kind of stuff. And then they bring them into the range and they get one-on-one -on -one inst instruction. And, uh, you know, the guns are, 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 are provided by, uh, people that have, you know, really nice modified guns and, uh, you know, there are ammo sponsors. So everything is taken care of ear protection, eye protection. That's all donated. Wow, that's cool. Right. I, I think even the GOA donated hats one year. Um, nice. In fact, they were there. So were, uh, you know, DC Project was there. Uh, a lot of the instructors were a girl and a gun instructors. So okay, we, had a, we had a lot, you know, were women instructors, men instructors. Uh, Chris Chang was there as an instructor. And you were there San also, Francisco. right? And I was there from Texas. There were guys that came from Georgia, uh, guys that came from Massachusetts and Ohio. Some of the faster people were there. Um and so it was, a, it was a really good group. And, and it's a social event as much as it is a of training course. event. So the instructors get together afterwards and we go out to dinner and, we, you know, it's a lot of laughs and we have a good time. And, you know, there may be a little alcohol consumed and some cigars smoked. But, you know, who am I to say, you know? Well, you know, I mean, that's just kind of one of those uh, side benefits of uh, a tiny bit of alcohol and big stogies. Yeah, it, it was <laughs> a lot of fun. And this is the second year that I did it. The first year. You know, I mean, um, Paul Lathrop, this was his first year. And, you know, and he talks about when you go to gun rights policy conference, you get recharged for, you know, Second Amendment stuff. Right. Well, this one was a recharge for his heart, you know, uh, okay. because when you when you teach these women how to shoot and they they get it and they realize they're empowered and the smile on their face and some of them are terrified. I mean, some of these women are, are literally shaking. I had one woman who could only shoot three shots and then she had to stop because she was just, well, no, she stopped. She, she was oh. done because it was oh, so was traumatic it? for her. Yes. Three, three shots. Oh, wow. Right. And, and so, and, and some of the other instructors have had similar experiences in years past. And 
some of those people came back the next year and were able successfully to complete their, you know, basically we, they get 20 rounds and we do, you know, one round at a time, maybe the first few. We teach them how to, you know, how to clear a gun, how to load it, how to load the magazine, how to rack the slide, and then how to, you know, line up the sights and, you know, trigger press and follow through and all that that kind of good stuff that we, we do. And we put the target at about 10 feet. So we we try to breed success because we want people to be able to hit the target, yeah. see where they're where they're going, and uh, be able to do um, the basic things that they need to know how to do. So that and then encourage them to get follow up training with some of the local instructors. And so it, it it's it's a really really rewarding experience. I think I taught about fifteen women over the weekend. And there's wow. you know yeah I mean there are there are about forty instructors at least maybe fifty. Um, John, so, that's awesome. That is really yeah. cool. And I heard you had an interesting student. Yes, I, I had uh, a very nice lady whose name was Tudor. Her name is Tudor Dixon. Uh, I found out later who was right. This was right before the uh, primary uh, for the governor's race. And she was running for governor on the Republican side. And governor in fact, of Michigan. She, governor of Michigan. And, and in fact, she won her primary. So now she's facing uh Whit governor whitmer governor whitmer oh no i'm sorry I, I yeah said that yeah governor whitmer in the in the uh in the general election for um for governor so and, and she was you know very very um she was a good shot let's put it that way. she was a good student in fact after the first 10 i just i, I just said we're going to load it we loaded up 10 i said okay now we're going to work on speed and cadence but she pretty much shot the center of her target out. She didn't have too many. Uh, I mean, she might have had one that was, uh, you know, an inch low on one shot, but that was about it. And actually, if you go to her Facebook page, you can actually see a video that she put out um, with with me teaching her. And also, Tudor Dixon. yeah, Tudor Dixon. Tudor Dixon. Uh, let's let's encourage and let's pray for a, a win for her so Michigan can have a, a, a gun friendly governor again. Right. And then, uh, and then another interesting uh, student, which was one of my Sunday students. Uh, after we finished, she said to me, "She says, John, you know that I was shot two weeks ago." Ooh. I, I said, "Really? Where were you shot?" And she points to her right side of her chest, and I said, "Wow, you're, you're lucky to be alive, first of all, but..." You know, when you were shooting, was it was it painful? She goes a little bit painful. I said, well, was it worth coming here? She says, absolutely, it was. And when I told Rick Ector about her story, he was basically like, this is why I'm doing this event, because these women all are, worthwhile. Are, are being victimized and we need to teach them how to defend themselves with a firearm. And so, you know, again, it's, it's that kind of stuff that makes it worthwhile spending money out of pocket and to go, um, uh, you know, spend hotel and to spend a weekend. Uh, it was just, you know, it's absolutely worth it and I'll do it again. Oh and, yeah. Uh, anybody oh, yeah. who who's done it before yeah. real, realizes that it's an awesome, awesome thing. I've had similar feelings in some of the classes that I've taught together with with Ben that you've been in and you've helped us teach and things like that. And even back in the days when I was doing some classes with uh, teaching for Gabe Suarez, just, you know, some of the the growth that you see in students 
and they say things to you at the end of the class like, I'm, you know, so glad I came here. I can't believe that this kind of knowledge even exists. You know, that's that's what's rewarding. Right. And, and, and a lot of the students, especially a lot of the women, are already subject to physical and yeah. mental abuse by either their spouses or partners or, you know, they've been, you know, sexually assaulted. And, you know, there's a lot, a lot of uh, horrible things that people have been through. And uh, so this gives them a way to kind of empower themselves that that they can feel safer especially if they, you know, they do serious training and get a lot of confidence and are able to carry and to be able to defend themselves. And well, you and God I bless both know, you, John. I'm glad you did that. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, you and I both know that it, 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 not every person who pulls a gun has to shoot it. In fact, most no. of the time, all it takes is a presence of a firearm, and the people who are trying to victimize you realize they failed the selection process of yeah. uh, picking a victim. As Masada, yes. you would say, <laughs> failed the failed the victim selection, selection process. process. Isn't that the way he puts it? That, that's what he. Um, that's what he yeah, says. yeah, exactly they failed right. that test. Yeah, well, that's awesome, John. I, I think that's fantastic that you did that, and and thanks for the report on that. Um, so, so now I'd like to get into a little bit of the the new series I started here. The what do you carry and why? Um, last week I was talking about. Glock 20, I mean, uh, Glock 43X that I've been carrying a lot lately. Um, I'll start off by saying probably my most carried gun, however, that I happen to own is my P365. Uh, I do carry that more than than anything that I carry. But uh, how about you? Yeah, I, I have two guns that I, I carry. Uh, my 365XL with the, with the uh, Romeo Zero Red Dot. Um, when Ben and I ride bikes, um, I carry on in a belly band. It's a crossbreed belly band with the molded holster. And so it holds it to your body pretty nicely. And it's, uh, it's concealed underneath a bicycle jersey. Uh, I've crashed a few times and the gun stays put. So that's, that's good. Um, Don't yes, crash. when you ride a bike, you do crash. I no know. matter how good you think you are, if you watch pro bicycle races, the professionals crash. Well, and, so, and that's the same thing. Motorcyclists crash too. Yeah, you know they. Yeah, so, you know, that's everybody. Yes. Yeah, when you ride two wheels, you're going to crash. That's right. There's two types of bicycle riders: those who have crashed and those who will crash soon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sooner or later, anyway. Yes. Yes. So anyway, so that's that's the one gun that I carry. And then when I'm wearing, you know, pants with a belt, I'll uh, I'll carry uh, my Sig 229. Legion SAO with a uh, Romeo One Pro red dot, and Bob has shot that gun, and he'll that tell is you, a he has, fantastic gun. He has uh, gun envy. I could tell you that right now. And I use say, a, a yeah, and I use a, 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 a keeper's concealment holster, just like you showed earlier on today. Yeah. Uh, carry it in the appendix position. Oh, you use the uh, you use the uh, the keeper's appendix right. carry holster. Right. Yep. Yeah. And it's it's a it's a it's a fantastic holster. It, uh, it it hides it well. I, I use a um, a belt that has uh, universal um, adjustments, so that because that's one of the things that Spencer talks about. You need to get the the, the belt nice and tight so it holds up against your body. Infinitely adjustable. Right, and I also uh, wear a, a sleeveless uh, compression shirt underneath whatever shirt I'm wearing, and that helps uh, push with with the little bit of fat that I still have left. 
Um, I've lost 50 pounds in the last year and a half from riding a bike and, uh, and, and dieting. Unbelievable. So, Unbelievable. And, and I'm down about, uh, probably six inches on my, on my pants. Ooh, nice. I've had to buy new belts. Let's put it that way, because my belts were way too big. They were wrapping uh, around and I, and I couldn't put my horizontal mag holder on my belt because the, the, the free end of the belt was in the way. That's a good so, problem to have, John. Good problem right. to have. And so, By the way, um, I just want to stop people real quick. If you want a Keeper's Holster, when you go to keepersconcealment.com, Handgun World's your coupon code for a discount. Okay. Had to throw right. that in there to keep Spencer happy. Right. And, and also, sometimes when I'm, when I, if I decide I want to carry a smaller gun, like say I'm just going to a supermarket or something like that, I may carry the 365 XL and I have a um, uh, what do you call, um, concealment solutions appendix holster. I, I, in fact, I had him do a custom one that covers the, the red dot. But I, if I carry my just regular 365, I have another one that he, that he made for me. So he's got an appendix holster as well that that uh, works he does. Like, yeah, he's got a very good one. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so I, I tend to you, uh, I just use your your people because they do good work. Let's put it that way. Well, and that's why I sponsor them because I own their products. I don't I don't push anybody's products that I haven't used and that I'll stand behind. Uh, you know, that's that's the whole thing. And so I appreciate that. Handgun World's a discount code on both of those. So you ride <clears throat> when you're riding the bike, you carry that belly band. And uh, that let me ask you about your 229 um, single action only Legion. Uh, wow. What a sweet gun. That thing is so awesome. And so you're carrying that. What did you say you're carrying that in? Oh, the keepers. Yeah, the keepers. You're carrying yeah. that in the keepers holster. Right. OK. Right. And. uh it's a heavy gun. How do you find the weight to to do? Not a, not an issue. I'm a big guy. Uh, I'm, I, even after I've lost 50 pounds, I'm still 225, 230 pounds. So I, I, I have a big frame, and and you know I, I put a nice one and a half inch leather belt with with a uh, with a you know infinitely adjustable belt buckle on it, and it it holds it just fine. Oh, you use an inch and a half belt? Okay, I use inch and yeah. a quarter. Yeah, I use an inch and a half belt. And I just run it right through right through that uh, part of the holster, and, and it holds it tight, and and it holds it up against your body. So it, the weight itself doesn't really bother me too much. Uh, I carry usually one extra magazine in the horizontal mag holder, and then I just drape a shirt over the top of it. And uh, and you you've seen me, you know, at the competitions that we do, the AASA competitions. I just pull that out, and I'm able to do those mag changes without too much difficulty. Oh yeah, yeah. So. The name of the series is What Do You Carry and Why? So you told us what you carry. Why do you carry those? Well, as far as the 365 XL, the first reason I carry is eyeballs. I, I you know, I'm starting to get to the point where I have a hard time seeing the front sight. Yeah. I can shoot a gun with with a with a uh, you know with a fixed regular you know sights, but I'm much better with the red dot, and especially at distance. Um, you know, I can shoot that red dot. 50 yards, 60 yards, man-sized target. You, you've seen it, seen it at the end of the, of the classes where we go out to 50, 60 yards, and I can make hits pretty consistently either yeah. with the uh, with the with the XL or with the 229. If what I use the two, do you have on your XL? Uh, the, the Romeo XL. Zero. Romeo what do you zero. have on What do you have on the 229 Legion? Romeo One Pro. Okay. Yeah, and in fact, you know, I'll use the two two six sometimes as well, which is the same gun, just a little bit longer barrel, uh, and uh, 
that's that's pretty nice too. I mean, all three of those guns are, you know, very reliable. They're very accurate, and uh, I don't mind. You know, I can hide a big gun underneath my shirts, and I just yeah. leave them a little bit droopy, a little drapey, and I can hide it. You know, I usually carry a little, you know, a little folder in, in my pocket. Um, I'll carry pepper spray on my keychain. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've got I've got a, a, a few options. I also um, like in my cargo pants or in my scrub pockets. I'll carry a um, uh, a tourniquet and uh, quick clot gauze. So it's and then in my doctor bag I carry a trauma kit too. I carry a little blowout kit that's got a tourniquet and some some gauze and you know whatever. Yeah. So I, I carry you know I carry uh, stuff that uh, for the most part. In fact, I can. Yeah, while you're doing that, I'm going to grab something to show folks that I carry also. And I'm glad that you're talking about the non-firearm objects that you carry because it is important to carry other things than guns. Well, here's my pepper spray on my keychain. Okay. All right, that's All right. cool. Here's my tourniquet. All right, that's cool. Okay, it's already pre-folded. I, like I just pulled the rubber band off, and it's ready to go. And that's a... Um, a uh, soft T wide tourniquet. And then I also carry a couple of these in my pocket. Okay. Quick clot, rolled gauze. Quick clot gauze. And uh, th- those go in my pocket. So if, if I ever did get shot, I can stuff it down the hole and stop some bleeding. So, I mean, th- that's the, the kind of stuff that, that uh, I carry. You know, I have a, a bigger trauma kit in my car that I carry that's got a, all kinds of stuff in it. Yeah. Um, I got IV fluids and you know, all that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, uh, if you got some ways to at least treat some things, but, uh, most people aren't going to have that just because they're, they don't have the training to use it. Well, Fortunately, and I, you do have a lot of training to use that. That's something that I'm a little bit deficient on that I need to improve on. Uh, I'm glad you talked about non-firearm things that you carry. A couple things that uh, that I carry. First of all, um, this is my Streamlight flashlight, and right. this thing, this thing has is so useful. Not not only as a good light, but I can I can whack the crap out of somebody. Pretty yeah, nice. that'll beat beat somebody. Yeah. I run out of space in my pockets. <laughs> That's the problem. This is the Streamlight uh, Protac Two Protac Two LX, and um, I got a funny story I'll tell about this in a minute. And then another uh, less than lethal is my Smith & Wesson tactical pen. This tactical pen's also got a, uh, it's got an edge on it right here on the end of it. And I can I can bust something with that. And I can also bust something with the pen side itself. Right, and it's got, got a glass a, breaker on it, right? Is it's that, got a glass breaker on it, yes. Right. It's got a glass breaker. Let's see if I can get this close to the camera here. And I got another story to tell about this in a minute. And then, of course, my uh, my trusty uh, Benchmade folder. Um, so I want to tell a story I haven't – I've actually told it before, but I haven't mentioned it in a while about my, um, my flashlight and my pen. So a couple of weeks ago – um, I was, uh, I, we, my wife and I and my whole family, we just got back from the Philippines. We took a, a three-week vacation in the Philippines. We went out there uh, beginning of July. And, of course, Philippines doesn't have a Second Amendment. Um, so, But I got away with whatever I could get away with. And so I did a little research, and most of the places we went to, this knife was legal over there. 
uh, and some of the places that it was not legal. Uh, nobody knew about it. But I got a story to talk about the flashlight and the tactical pen, because most of the time, these are the two devices that I had with me. So during the um, screen, during the uh, security process, going through security, I had both of these in my backpack. Mm-hmm. And at the Manila airport, uh, we had to go through three security procedures. At the second one, uh, they said, can we take a look? And I said, sure. And they can take a look. You can do that. And he pulls out my flashlight and he goes, oh, okay. He says, I wasn't quite sure what that was. And he asked me, why do you have it? I said, I'm afraid of the dark. <laughs> he had the same reaction. You, he was kind of like, oh, okay. And, uh, and then he, they saw the tactical pen. They looked straight at it, but I don't think that they knew what it was. No. Um, but most of the time, these tactical pens, and this is this is heavy duty. I'll show this to you next time I see you. This thing is made of strong, strong steel. Right. And uh, it's just a pen. It's just a pen. The knife, obviously, I had to put in my checked luggage. Right. But um, anyway, try to think of something clever if somebody asks you why you're carrying that stuff. It's a... It's a sales technique. It disarms people when you use humor. It, it makes them relax. I like to read on the airplane and the I lights like aren't to, good enough. <laughs> uh, telling them you're afraid of the dark is actually... Uh, That's not a bad one, actually. It's not a bad one, no. But um, but you're right. I like to read when the, when the plane gets dark. Stuff like that. Um, all right. What else do you carry? Oh, well, I do have a flashlight in my doctor bag. Um Let's see what else. That's about it. Sometimes I'll, I'll actually put on an ankle uh, carrier that has a tourniquet and you know gauze and um, like a, a clothes knife. You know the the hook that the clothes hook. Yeah. Um, yeah. With a chest seal, even. Um, again, you know. Uh, it became very difficult to carry that. It's just so bulky that it just doesn't fit underneath most clothes. And and if I'm doing surgery, I don't want to have blood dripping down my off the table onto my very yeah, yeah. nice ankle holder. So I, I stopped wearing that. It just got to be too much of a pain in the backside. So I've gone pretty minimalist at this point. Um, yeah. Plus, yeah. I'm, most of the time I'm in a hospital that has all kinds of stuff. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah, I can put a blood pressure cuff up on somebody and inflate it and just leave it up. And that's a tourniquet. You know, it's a pneumatic yeah. tourniquet. I that's use a true. pneumatic tourniquet in the operating room almost every day. Um, and so, you know, I, I, that's not a hard thing for me to find, a, a, you know, something to, you know, pinch off the blood supply and, uh, you know, stop the bleeding that way. Um, but, you know, uh, unfortunately, um, we live in a world where we just don't know when the next lunatic is going to, you know, take it out on somebody. You know, the, the same day that uh, the thing happened in Uvalde, uh, some nut job uh, up in uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma, killed three doctors or, or a, a, maybe a receptionist and two doctors. In a hospital, up. right? In a hospital? No, it was in, it was in their office. Oh, doctor's office? Okay. Yeah, he had, yeah, the guy was a spine surgeon. He had a back operation. He wasn't happy, so he decided to kill the doctor and kill himself, so... But you just don't know when that's going to happen. And, you know, people can be volatile, uh, especially if they're having chronic pain. 
uh, if they're taking, you know, narcotics and who knows what else stuff that yeah, affects the God mind. knows what else is he's taking. You don't, you don't know. So it, it's, you know, it, it's a dangerous world out there. Um, an interesting note, uh, when it comes to Uvalde, um, one of my medical assistant's sister was one of the two teachers that was murdered. Oh. So it affected me and my office and my people uh, very strongly. Uh, it was it was a horrible thing. I mean, the, the wailing and crying is just un, unbelievable. Um, and, you know, I, I was supposed to testify in front of that House committee that w- was talking, but they didn't schedule to me till about two in the morning. And that wasn't going to work on a night I'm on call and I got surgery to do it the next day. So I submitted my written testimony um, and I talked about uh, Ed Monk's work about yeah. the, you know, the somebody shot every six seconds on average. And in the first minute, it's probably closer to 12 because people don't have time to scatter. It's more of a fish in the barrel thing. And then over time, you get to that average of six per per minute. Um and then basically it's talk about time. You know, it's all about time. And if you if you can't get somebody there within 30 seconds, then your plan sucks. Well, yeah. Uh, you and, and plan. If your plan relies on calling somebody to come help you, your plan is, is not is, you're going to guarantee double digit murders and maybe up to 30. And in fact, the only reason that it was only 21 was because that was all the people that he could trap in that room. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. and we actually ended up taking care of one of those kids that survived. He played dead underneath. But oh, he had been shot. Oh, yeah. He had been shot through the shoulder. My, one of my colleagues took care of him. One of the, my trauma surgery general surgeon uh, colleagues took care of him that night. Uh, I was fixing a broken elbow that night, and I had to wait for him. Um, and so he showed me the pictures of what had happened to the kid, the, 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 you know, the gunshot wound to the shoulder that the kid had had. Fortunately, it didn't hit anything important. Um, but you know, still, you know, it's a, it's a horrible thing and, you know, it's traumatic to the whole community. It's traumatic to Texas. I mean, look at all the stuff that all the hullabaloo that happened and and frankly, you know, the, the lack of response is just, it just shows you that you're on your own. Let's put it that way. You cannot count on the police to intervene. You are your own first responder. You have to take your responsibility for your own defense. You can never Purely. count on. You can never count on the police. You cannot. You count can never. On. Well, or in, well, you can never count on the police. Now let's talk about. Let's shift gears a minute and let's talk about the good situation, if you can call it that, in Indiana at the mall, right, where we had a concealed carrier take it into his own hands and only God knows how many lives he saved. Right. And, and that about, guy, what do you think about that, that? That guy performed awesomely. Unbelievable. 40 yard, eight out of 10 hits on a target that's shooting at you with a rifle. And he had enough sense to try to get people behind him. Yeah. And also there were people running back and forth in between the two of them. And then he didn't shoot anybody there too. Unfortunately, the first person he shot was also a concealed carrier, and that guy never had a chance because he got shot uh, when the guy came out of the bathroom. I guess he was going in, and the guy just, he, you know, as soon as he stepped out, boom, he shot him three times and killed him dead. But the, the bottom line is that guy stopped who knows how many people from being murdered in that food court. 
Oh, it's unbelievable how much he, how many lives that he saved. And you know what I thought is really interesting is we can talk all day and all night long about eight out of 10 shots, 40 seconds or 20 seconds and from 40 yards and advancing. Da, 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 da. Here's the thing that I think is even, even more incredible is that he had his gun and he was willing to take action. Absolutely. And, and, and you know, he had thought about stuff like this. Yes. It's pretty obvious to me that that he had gone over these scenarios in his mind. And when it when it actually happened, he just executed his plan in his in his brain and took care of business. I mean, 15 seconds between the first shot and the guy was down. And so you have to understand that that guy did some phenomenal work. And his attorney said it was even better than that. But he because of the active investigation going he on, he didn't, comment to, any details. Yeah, he didn't want to comment. But when when this is all said and done, I think we're going to find out that this guy really performed well above what you would expect from somebody who was taught by his grandfather how to shoot. This guy must have been doing something right. Well, and he, he had had his been... concealed carry permit since he turned 21. He was 22. So he had been carrying for a year. Well, now there's something I'll say about that. Being 22 helps with good eyesight yeah. and good oh, reflexes and good agility and everything else. That helps. I mean, that's uh, why I carry a red dot because, yeah. and that's one of the reasons why I'm, I'm going towards the bigger gun. Yeah, is because if I have to make that forty-yard shot, it's probably a little easier with the with a two-two-nine or a two-two-six than it is with a three-sixty-five. Well, but yeah, the red dot m- makes it easier to shoot the distance shots accurately, and uh, you know as long as you tr- you know press the trigger and and don't disturb the red dot while you're you're shooting, you're most likely going to get a good shot. Do we know what kind of gun he used? I think it was a Glock. Yeah, I it know. was just like. Which one, uh, I, don't you know, know? I don't know. I don't know which one. Whether it was a, probably a nineteen or a twenty-three, I would bet. Most likely, it's either a nine or a, or a forty. Uh, that's what yeah. most people carry, and, and that's what most people you know, carry Glocks. Yeah, right, unless it's like a you know like a forty-three X or something like that, or you know, uh, uh, or a forty-eight. Who knows? But it was it was a Glock, and it was probably a concealed carry size. You know. Another thing that I thought was very impressive, what he did, he did it cold. Yeah. He had well, no that's what you up. have to practice. Right. I took a uh, class with Steve Fisher a couple years ago. And his opening exercise is from 25 yards on a B8 target, 10 shots. Cold. 90, 90% cold. You got to score 90%. If you don't, then you need to keep practicing. Well, let me tell you the hardest thing about practicing shooting something cold. For people who don't understand what we're talking about, it's with no warm-up. You know, you shoot it from the holster. You haven't had a chance to warm up. You know you know what the hard thing about practicing that is? You only get to practice it once per range trip, per range exactly. trip. Every time you go to the range, you only get one chance to practice that. After the first time, it's not cold anymore. Yeah, you're you, not cold. You've That's had a chance to up. warm up. Yeah. Right. So – it's a very difficult thing to practice to do that on demand, under pressure, and shooting it cold. That's hard. Yep. Yep. No, it is. And, and, and that's why you have to shoot it. That's why you have to practice shooting cold. Yeah. Because those, that's the, you have to be able to perform on demand when you're not ready. When you're not ready and you're under pressure. Right. And there aren't very many people who know what the pressure of being under gunfire is like there are people listening and viewing that do know what it's like 
Ben um, knows. Ben knows what it's like, and and several other people know what it's like. So that even adds a more difficult component to right. doing something like yeah, that. Yeah, I hope I never find out. Let's Me either. I don't want to find out either. But I, I think it's it cannot be overemphasized that, and this takes me back to the Tom Givens course you and I took together. Number one, he had his gun. Yep. That can't be overemphasized. He had his gun. Number two, he was willing to take action. Right. And number three, once he had his gun, decided to take action, he knew what to do and how to do it. And I, everybody has to think about this stuff if you're carrying one of these for self-defense because um, we all love to go put holes in paper at the range, burn ammo, turn, I like to say, turn, uh, turn dollars into noise when you do that. We all love to do that, and it's kind of cool, but, you know, can you really pull that trigger? Yeah. Well, it's all between your ears first. The body cannot go where the mind has not already been. And so you need to Good be point. able to you need to be able to work this stuff out in your mind first. You have to know what line that you have to has to be crossed in order for you to use deadly force. Yeah. You know, you need to you need to understand that there are repercussions including your own death. And so is it worth dying over? That's the first question you have to ask. If it's not worth dying over, keep the gun in your in your holster and, and get to a place where you get out of there. Yeah, get to a place where you're safe and maybe you know watch or whatever, be a good witness. But you know, don't don't put yourself in harm's way if, if you're you know if, if it's not worth it. Somebody stealing something, you know, take your phone no. out and record it and call or call the cops and have them you know get their butt in over there. But when they bring a rifle into a sh- into a food court at a mall. That's- or, that's a, or they're that's shooting. A, that's a clue. That's a clue. Or they're shooting. What were they? Uh, third graders at Uvalde. You know, that's yeah. that's a clue yeah. that you need yeah. to uh, do something. In my opinion, that's worth dying for. Yes. No. I I agree. That that you know, death. You know, death and bodily injury to the uh, to the innocent. That's that's you know. So, but a lot of it is not my circus, not my monkeys, but yeah. that kind of thing is okay. You, yeah. Well, I mean, I'd like if to somebody's close. robbing a store and not not pointing a gun at the, you know, that's one thing. I'll stand by and kind of, you know, put myself in an advantageous position if if he points the gun at the clerk. That's when he gets one in the back of the head, you know, and because like then to, he's threatening the life. Well, he's threatening the life. Yeah, and and I just want to close with this, and I want to I want to get your opinion on it. Uh, several years ago, I did a podcast, and I'll link to it in below this video and below the, the podcast feed. And that is, I entitled it, Can You Pull the Trigger? Yeah. You know, can you really pull the trigger? And I encourage people to go back and listen to it. You'll find the direct link in the, in the notes. Um, can you actually pull the trigger? A lot of us think we can. And a lot of us play this in our mind. We, we play these scenarios out. Uh, but there are reports out there of people that, like you said earlier in this interview, they had their gun, but they 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 just couldn't use it. Yeah, and that's okay and, as long as you know ahead of time. Yes, but you know, I mean, none of us really know until the situation presents itself, and we hope it doesn't. Yeah, we hope it doesn't, but you know, you never know. 
And you have to make the calculation very quickly. You really have to, you know, almost have a checklist in your mind as to, you know, go or no go. And if it's no go, don't go. But if it's go, then go and and do it right. And, you know, make sure you take care of all the basics. Make sure you're not going to, you know, do further harm. You know, you don't want to, you know, hurt the innocent. You may have to move to a different angle. You may have to drop down to a knee so that your your shot is going up rather than level. Because if there's people in the background, you may want to have to shoot upwards a little bit so that if if you do miss or you get an over penetration, it goes above where those people are. Maybe goes into the wall above them. Um, you just don't know. But you have to you have to be able to think about those things well in advance, and you you have to uh, to use your powers of observation. And, you, you know, the other thing is you better know that there's nobody behind you with another gun going to stick one in the back of your head. Exactly. Because, exactly. because there right. have been several instances of that kind of stuff happening. You know, you better t- you know, before you shoot, you better take a look around and see who else is there because well, there may be maybe somebody else. And as I teach in my classes and even after you shoot, this right. is the purpose for the after action assessment. Right. You know, Absolutely. watch out for the guy who might be sticking a knife in your neck or who might have a gun to the back of your head you got to be you got to be looking for that now i i said the last one was my last point but i'll make one more and that is um mr dickin the young man up there in indiana that that pulled off that that heroism to the best of my knowledge he hasn't been charged with anything has he no no he has not and never and i doubt he will never I should he be. will yeah no i, I doubt he will and, you know, the, the, the thing is, is that until, the, the, you know, there's been whatever formal no bill or, you know, uh, basically a, a letter from the, the, the district attorney that there's not going to be seeking any charges. You have to assume that they're going to go after you until that's why you get a good attorney. And he got a really good attorney uh, to look after him. So speaking of getting a real good attorneys i i got to put this in there armed citizens legal defense network ccw safe there's many of them um get right. signed up for one of those good programs so that yeah. you got legal defense yeah don't get naked because it's bad it's bad you don't want to yeah. do this on your own and it's expensive right. and uh, most people cannot afford i can't ask paul ask paul lathrop you know yes. paul lathrop ended up up to his neck in this, you know, a false accusation out on the middle of the road in, in, uh, was it Nebraska? Nebraska. And yeah, he in ended fact, up spending a lot of money to get himself vindicated. Yeah. Speaking about our brother, Paul, uh, it was on my show where he broke the news publicly and gave details for the first time. You can go back and I'll try to find that link when I post this too. Um, and, uh, you should listen to that because, that's an example of what can happen. Right. Right. And just because you're the good guy doesn't necessarily mean that things are going to turn out well and that the prosecutors and the cops, you know, they may not see your good guy sign on your on your on your shirt. You know, no. they all they see is a guy with a gun. So, you know, yeah. make sure that you put yourself in a good tactical position when you're done shooting. Uh, do not pick up the rifle. A guy was shot. By the cops doing that very thing. Uh, if you have to secure the gun, put a garbage can over it, stand on it, do what you got to do, but do not pick it up. Do not be look like the guy who just shot up the mall. 
No, don't look like smart. that. And if you if you use your handgun to defend yourself or anybody else, um, do not stand around pointing that gun at other people who are in the area. That's going to be on videotape. There's going to be eyewitnesses of it. And when the police show up, they're going to think you're the bad guy. Right. And either holster it or put it in a sole position or just look like a professional firearms handler. Don't look Correct. like some jack wagon who's pointing the gun in all directions. That's just, it's crazy. You do not want to be that guy. And if somebody's watching or listening and you don't know what John and I are talking about right now, send me an email. I'll be happy to teach you about it or refer you to a real good instructor that can teach you about that as well. And, and there are good instructors all over the country. All over, everywhere. Um, John, thank you. I appreciate it. Any, um, any last words you want to leave with everybody? I just want to talk about DRGO for a minute. I'm oh, the membership yeah, director for Doctors for Responsible it. Gun yes. Ownership, DRGO.us. We also have a matching service, which is free, and that's called 2adoc.com. You can find us at, at drgo.us. We have lots of very good informative articles there. Uh, also, we're on Facebook and Twitter and all those other places. Um, there's a lot of interesting stuff that gets put up on Facebook, uh, and you're welcome to comment. Just keep it clean and, and don't be abusive. Um, but uh, every once in a while, you might even see an article by me. You might see that, yes, drgo.us. Jonna Dean, thanks very much for coming on. I appreciate everything. My pleasure. Thank you. All right. Have a good one. And, folks, as we sign off, um, I just want to let you know that John donated his time. And, you know, it's, it's a, we all, time is a limited asset that we have. We don't have, we can't manufacture more time and we can't go back and redo things in time. So I thank you very much. So in order to, in order to assist me to keep getting more guests like John on here, please support my show, support my sponsors, um, support me on Patreon. Ben Bram and I have a shooters club of which uh, John is a supporter and everything. And so we would appreciate your help on that. Uh, like this channel. And uh, subscribe to this, uh, subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. And above all, shoot straight, shoot safe, and read your Bible every day. Okay, many thanks to John Adine. If you are in the medical profession, check out drgo.us, Doctors for Responsible Gun Ownership, drgo.us. A link will be in the show notes. It's not easy putting all these interviews together for you folks. And as you know, that's my new format of the show, is interviews. I could really use your support. Become a Patreon member for as little as $3 a month. Click the Patreon link in the show notes. You can become a Shooters Club member for $8 a month and access even more information. Or you can take care of my sponsors. The other one is Concealment Solutions. If you need a really good holster you can check both of those out concealmentsolutions.com or keepersconcealment.com both of them will give you a 10 percent discount because you listen to this show and use one word the discount code of handgun world as i mentioned in the interview folks shoot straight shoot safe read your bible every day and i'll talk to you again real soon